1: physician scientist searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation interacts with his unique body chemistry and now when David Banner grows angry or outraged a startling metamorphosis occurs driven by rage and pursued by an investigative reporter.
2: Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry.
1: explosion took the life of a fellow scientist and supposedly David Banner as well. The reporter thinks the creature was responsible. I gave a description to all the law enforcement agencies. They got a warrant for murder on it. A murder which David Banner can never prove he or the creature didn't commit. So he must let the world go on thinking that he, too, is dead until he can find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within him.
0: With Randy Wilson, aka Cron Man, turning blue, we reminded of the Incredible Hulk and Dr. David Banner turning green as his body morphs into a larger-than-life bodybuilder Lou Ferrigno. Randy has the strength, but not so much the sculptured physique. Let me quote my own book. An outer fiber-like blue shell surrounded Randy's body like an inflatable foam, thicker than before. But he felt normal. Angled sections were chiseled into his face and eyes, fully sparkling gold, and reflected on the glass frame wall photo. It was as if he were letting the shield in because he did not feel larger or inflated anyways. He whooshed back into the corridor. This is where Colonel Briggs and a woman named Fogarty get involved in testing and observing Randy Wilson, and we'll see a change in the metabolism and ability to sense things. This is Robert P. Fitton. We're starting episode two of Man now. Aircraft 316. John F. Kennedy, International Airport. July 13th, 2021. 9.25 a.m. Randy eyed the lieutenant as she emerged from the jet's forward cabin. Randy, she said as she brought him a styrofoam cup of coffee and two oversized Snickers bars. The colonel says there's no holding the Secret Service off this plane. Randy bit into the chocolate and the caramel. Yum. I'm addicted to these bars. I'm more of a pure chocolate girl. Well, chocolate girl, I feel like I have to eat one Snickers after another. Metabolism. Metabolism. We'll check it out. What exactly is your position, Lieutenant? Would you like me to break security, Mr. Wilson? Randy unwrapped the next bar. This is really classified? Extremely. Oh, He said as Briggs entered the plane and started down the aisle. Randy, I apologize. I couldn't keep them back. You'll be talking to one of the field supervisors of the Secret Service. Why? They're aware that you woke up after your two-day disappearance thinking about Richardson. With Richardson coming to Camden Bay, that creates a problem. How did he find that out? My initial report, vague but mentioning Richardson, made its way through intel channels. Not my preference. I'm sorry. Not your fault, Colonel. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. What do you need me to do? As I said before, leave the classified stuff out of it. You know, the body armor. I have no idea at this point how that's possible. Just say you don't remember. Okay. We've contacted your sister. How's Harry? No change. Surgery went well, but no change burly man with a loose tie and wide shoulders stomped down the aisle with a trail of men behind. He had receding black hair, dark eyes, and a gruff voice that had the hoarseness of a dog who had been barking all night. What do you got against the president, Wilson? Randy folded his arms across his chest. Nothing, I'm apolitical. Your father gave $300 to the president and has a banner in his yard. So what? Pappy gets excited about politics. We had people questioning him this afternoon. For what? Because I woke up thinking about the president? Who are you with during your two-day absence, Wilson? Will you calm down, Alvin, said Briggs. Decker sneered, looked at his men, and then faced Randy. Well? Let me repeat. I don't remember anything about it. Oh, come on, Wilson, said Decker, choking on his words. We know you met with hostile agents of a foreign government. Why don't you tell me about it, said Randy. We don't need your sarcasm, Wilson. I've only got a few minutes here. They gave you some kind of body armor. No. Who contacted you? Asked the youngest of the three, a man with coal black eyes. Nobody. Wilson, you're going to spend the rest of your life in a federal prison. This is ridiculous. Randy stood. What did I do? Conspiracy to murder President Richardson, said Decker. Oh, bullshit, said Briggs. Colonel, we don't even know what your division does. Well Let's keep it that way. I can charge you with... Give me a break. I don't remember anything. Decker leaned forward and pointed his index finger. You've been programmed. Okay, prove it. I wake up thinking about a place called Outboros and Richardson and Fournier. Outboros is an ancient Egyptian and Greek symbol showing a serpent eating its own tail. It's sometimes referred to as the infinity symbol. I have no idea. I never heard of it. Fournier. Who is Fournier, Wilson? Asked the dark-eyed Decker. Who is he working for? I don't know. I'm recommending you be arrested and this plane be grounded. All right, Alvin. You're here because I say you're here. You don't threaten him. Oh, is that right? shouted Decker now on his feet. What if he kills the president? Has he threatened the president? asked Briggs. Well, no, but he doesn't even remember. We're trying to get to the bottom of this right now. You don't do that by making assumptions. You're a fine one to be talking about assumptions your entire division is classified. I don't even know what you people do. That's why you're getting off this plane now. And I intend to file a congressional complaint about your lack of professionalism. I'll have treasury agents all over Camden Bay watching Wilson. Where are you going? Classified. Decker waved his agents up front of the long plane. Briggs' blue eyes swung toward Randy. He's got his own theories, said Randy as Decker started down the portable stairs. Forget him, kid, said Briggs, sitting down. They're aboard for one purpose. I'm just covering my own butt because you mentioned Richardson. Where are we going? I can't tell you that right now. Only that it's a very secure location several hours away from here. We'll get to the bottom of what happened. Randy sat next to the lieutenant as Briggs returned to the front of the plane. Yes, Lieutenant. I think you did very well, Randy. I thought I was Wilson. She lip-smiled and raised her brows. Well, you've been promoted. Randy returned the smile and his face became serious. Lieutenant, why would I care about Richardson and this fauniere? She held his wrist. It may mean nothing, Randy, but we'll find out. Division 16. Remote facility number CX-7. West Mountain Creek, Wyoming, July 14th, 2021, 1.14 p.m. The L-shaped wood frame complex was nestled between the forest foliage and a long lake. Randy had showered in the enclosed stall in a second floor apartment and now wore a green jumpsuit that had been laid out on the bed. He had been examined by a team of doctors for three hours in the ground area. They had taken fresh x-rays but no MRI. They jabbed him with needles for blood tests, muscle tissue samples, and brain scans. After the tests and examinations, they had him hoisting weights in the gym, located in the upper area overlooking the lake. Then they they clocked him running on a modified treadmill. Briggs now wore jeans, a checkered shirt, and work boots. He and the lieutenant strut into the room. She had volunteered her name, Ann Fogarty, in flight. Fogarty smiled and held eye contact with him. 862 pounds in the weight room upstairs. Randy half smiled and checked out her sparkling blue eyes. Didn't feel like 800 pounds. You lifted the whole kit and caboodle over your head, she said. How? There's no medical answer for any of this, Randy, right now anyways. She squeezed his bicep. Your muscles appear normal. You want me to flex? She broke into a full smile. You can flex wherever you want, bud. Bud? We have theories on the increased power. Randy flexed his bicep. Fogarty seemed taken aback. I can see this is going to be an interesting project. Oh, you think so? Asked Randy. She slowly retracted her hand. Randy turned to Briggs. Colonel, my friend Harry, what's his status? Briggs looked up from his computer. I'm sorry, I was checking the intel from Camden Bay. Harry Ridden, what's his status? Briggs folded his hands and leaned forward. He'll need additional surgeries. He's being moved to South Medical Center in Camden Bay. With added police protection according to Dan Baldwin. Bulldog Baldwin. Briggs smiled. Bulldog? The bullet fragments are a problem, and from what they said in the briefing, said Fogarty, lungs and spleen, I'm sorry, I know you and Mr. Ridden are close. Junior Janus gets away with it. Don't be so sure of that, said Briggs. Camden Bay police may have witnesses. If it leads back to Janice, they've assured Chief Boulder I mean Baldwin that they'll prosecute. Fogarty smiled. Randy figured she was laughing at Baldwin's nickname. Well I wouldn't hold my breath on that, said Randy. An older man with a white goatee and two younger men appeared at the stairway door. Ah, doctor Wenzel. Randy, this is doctor Harrison Wenzel. Doctor? How do you do, Randy? Thank you for partaking in this. Hopefully we'll find out what happened to me during those two days. He turned to Briggs. Did my sister get the message about me being all right? We're waiting for our contact. It was an in-person delivery of the message. One of Briggs' aides entered the room as Randy peered out the window. This is beautiful country wherever we are. Briggs nodded his head and then grabbed the remote. He held his cell phone in his other hand. What? Sergeant, this is Colonel Briggs. What? We'll oh, get that fool under arrest and bring him up to the lodge. Yeah, right now. What happened? asked Randy. The screen lit up and Briggs scrolled through the channels. Okay, I see him. When Eddie's image in front of the hospital filled the screen, Randy stepped forward. What the hell is he doing over there now? This clown carnivore, he's only on the local feed. Get him away from the cameras, yelled Briggs.
2: I tell you, he's untouchable said Eddie. You can't shoot him. You can't catch him. He's an uber human being. crime man. Hee he, Oh
0: my God. Briggs was on his feet now. Get this moron off the air. We're going to have to change that whole narrative on this. He saw me leap into the air the other day Colonel said Randy. Even he was shocked by Eddie's brashness on the TV and obviously he saw what happened on the third floor. This man is a raving lunatic, shouted Briggs. This guy could reveal Randy's identity. The reporter, holding the microphone to Eddie, listened in his earpiece. Then he nodded and pulled the mic away as Eddie protested. In the background, as the reporter walked away, a husky cop grabbed Eddie's forearm and escorted him out of the picture. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? I just Good work, Sergeant, said Briggs, exhaling. He flipped the phone and turned to the group. I want this clown here at CX-7, by horse and rope if we have to. I'd like to see that, said Randy as Fogarty laughed. Our main concern here is to contain the press and the public as to what's happened to you. The Janus Tower, July 14th, 2021, 1.55 p.m. Junior burst out the office elevator on the 39th floor. He tightened his yellow tie and adjusted his navy blue jacket. His bodyguards opened the main office door and followed him and his secretary inside. How's my handkerchief there, Evelyn? She adjusted the blue silk handkerchief in his suit coat pocket. He played back Julie Wilson's report on his phone again.
2: Good morning, this is Julie Wilson reporting from the Camden Bay Medical Center. A man clad in bright blue body armor thwarted an attack most likely aimed at Detective Lieutenant Harry Reardon, who was recovering from another shooting last week. Detective Redden is okay and has been moved to another location. The unidentified body armor man left after stopping the attack.
0: She's not answering my calls. Look at her. She's gorgeous. But who the hell is this body armor guy? Nobody knows that, sir, said his secretary. Evelyn, get Dutch on the phone. Yes, Mr. Janice. Junior poured himself a drink at the bar. He remembered how stunning Julie had been in her red dress at the prom so many years ago. Corcoran, on line two. Hello. Hey, Dutch, I want to make sure those morons who didn't kill Ridden are brought out of town. Get them out of jail and up to the West Side campgrounds. Rudy will be waiting.
2: I'll get them out of there, Junior, but I'm your lawyer. I'm not doing your dirty work.
0: You can be replaced.
2: <laughs> not if you want to stay out of jail.
0: Ah! Junior slammed down the phone. Rudy Morales on line one. Junior pushed the button. Rudy, Corcoran is getting those two clowns you sent to the hospital out of jail. They need to go up to the West Side campgrounds. Get rid of them and don't get caught. Oh, uh, I'll beat the living. Make it look like they killed each other, dummy. He shook his head and walked over to the window span overlooking the city along the lake. Do you want a coffee, sir? Junior turned and squinted. Yeah, why not? I just made a pot. He stared at Julie's image on his smartphone and then sat behind his desk. The window spanned behind him bright and blue with Lake Van Buren spreading water. His email popped up on the side monitor. He clicked on the presidential fundraiser update at the end of the month. Maurice A. Janus. Maj at Janus7.net. Dear Maurice. Thank you for your generous donation to President Richardson's re-election campaign. Your position at the President's table has been reserved, and Chief of Staff Raleigh will personally be calling on you one week prior to the event at the Regalia Hotel in Camden Bay. Sincerely, John S. Melville, Chairman. Re-elect President Richardson. Evelyn set his black coffee on the desk. I will email your daily schedule in a few minutes. Why the hell can't Richardson call me direct? Melville is so full of shit. Do you want me to request a call from the president? He shook his head. No, but you can put in a call for Julie Wilson. Maybe she'll answer your call. Sir, if I may. This isn't a date, Evelyn. I want to know what the hell that armor guy was doing at the hospital. She saw it. I could call Chief Baldwin. Yeah, right. Like he'd talk to me. Tell Julie this is a professional call. I will make that clear. He sipped on the coffee and read other accounts of the story. If that body armor guy hadn't been there, Redden would be out of the way. Junior's daily schedule came out in his email. He squinted at his noontime meeting. Evelyn, get my people over here at 11, not 12. This is a critical meeting. We have to move fast. Where are the new shipping containers? Should be in this afternoon at a warehouse unrelated to Janus Enterprises. Good girl. We need to be very careful with this overseas stuff. I'll move the meeting. Junior nodded and glanced at his smartphone one more time. She is beautiful. Chapter 8 Division 16, Remote Facility Number CX-7, West Mountain Creek, Wyoming, July Fourteenth, Twenty Twenty 2021, p.m. After the bizarre attack at the hospital and a four-hour flight, Julie felt fatigue creeping over her body. Just the biological changes in Randy left her confounded and without an explanation. Randy had arrived last night. In the main hall, downstairs at the lodge, she patted Brownie, paws extended on the floor. Briggs and Lieutenant Fogarty walked out of a side room. Miss Wilson, you're welcome to view your brother's hypnosis. What exactly is your position with the Air Force, Colonel? She asked, standing. That's classified. I'm sorry. That's okay. She looked back around the main room and the lake through the windows. Judging by the airtime, I'd say we're between Arizona and Montana. Wyoming, said Lieutenant Fogarty. Your brother is handling this well, considering. Considering what? We don't even know what happened to him. Briggs pointed to the viewing room. I think we're about to find out, Julie. Brownie followed the group into a viewing room. At least five people were seated in front of the glass. Briggs closed the door and patted Brownie's head. Then Brownie found a spot next to Julie. She looked through the monitoring glass. Randy sat on a reclining chair. Indirect lighting formed shadows from the floor. His eyelids hung progressively heavier as the drug took hold. The curly-haired Dr. Wenzel held a black computer tablet in front of Randy. This procedure will not injure your brother in any way. Dr. Wenzel is an expert, said Briggs. Wenzel pulled up a high back wood chair and sat down. He rested the tablet on his knee. His voice vibrated through a viewing room speaker. Hello, Randy. Hello, he said in a low voice. Randy, you, um, disappeared for two days. Randy's voice slowed and deepened. I did. Where were you, Randy? Randy slowly blinked as he spoke. I went outside with Brownie. Why? I had just worked out, but not too good. I was smacked around by Junior's security at his building. My lip was split and my back injured. I shouldn't have worked out. I grabbed a beer and went on the deck with Brownie. There's no evidence of that attack, said Fogarty, leaning toward the glass You told your sister the next thing you remembered was waking up in bed in your shorts. That's what I said. What really happened, Randy? Briggs held his pen over a yellow pad. Randy said nothing for some time, and then he squinted. Randy. Loud humming. I turned. Brownie was barking. What was it? Light. Brighter. Larger than a star. Overhead, the light hurts my eyes." Wenzel sat up straight. In the sky? I knew it, said Briggs. Knew what? It never moved. I set the beer in the lounger holder. Brownie Brownie, stopped barking. He closed his eyes as if he were asleep. What never moved? Randy's eyes remained closed. Something in the sky? Fogarty raised her brows at Briggs. Oh, my God. Under the one hanging lamp, Brandy nodded his head with his eyes closed. Sky. Sky. In the sky. No shape. No wings. Just a light. Brownie doesn't care. Like, he can't see it or is being prevented. I asked Brownie, I said, what the heck is that thing, Brownie? Brownie looks up at me, not the light. I tell him that German shepherds are smart. How does a light hover in the sky with no craft? What happened next, Randy? Asked Wenzel. Randy's eyes opened wide. Impossible. What's impossible? I called out. Then I leaped the railing. Brownie should have been barking, but he was sleeping near the deck railing. Randy opened his eyes. I neared the trees. The air was real heavy. Heavy? Yes. Like a force, making it difficult to move. It slowed my run toward the field. Randy closed his eyes again. His hands were wrapped around the chair arm. No, no. His hand shook. Julie stood, and Brownie's ears perked up. Colonel, you're pushing him. We have to. Interdimensional, said Fogarty in a low voice as she stared ahead. What? It's okay, Randy. Take your time. I never never seen anything like that don't know where they came from they shadowy shadowy gray outline moving stick figures beyond the tree trunks i'm drawn in now where the grass dips on the crispy leaves but it's summer leaves aren't crisp in summer the light spreads across the field very bright brighter than a full moon then i saw them pipe cleaner beings Formed a semicircle in front of me. What else about them? Julie covered her mouth with her hand and then spoke. What is this? This is what I suspect," said Briggs. Taller than a pro basketball player, matted gray bodies, large heads, flattened inward as if put into a vice. They moved in slow, rippling, stilted movements. Black, glossy, oval eyes above a tubular nose and a tiny mouth. I tried to talk. Why couldn't you? I just couldn't. They look familiar, as if I've seen them before. I sensed that they were happy to see me again. When did you see them before? He saw them before? asked Julie. No way. He may not remember, said Fogarty. Briggs raised his index finger as Randy answered. I don't know. He spread his arms outward. I'm not in the field. Very, very bright. It hurts my eyes. It surrounds me. My feet are no longer on the ground. My body feels horizontal. But I have no sense of where I am. Floating, but not floating. Are you inside a craft or not even on Earth? Somewhere else. Briggs spoke out of the corner of his mouth. Dimensional transposing. "'What does that mean?' asked Julie. His blue eyes swung toward her, just as Lieutenant Fogarty alluded to. They travel interdimensionally. They don't use ships or so-called flying saucers. "'Why would they contact Randy, and what do they want with him?' asked Julie. "'Apparently they've visited with him before,' said Fogarty. "'Circular screens all around me. I'm still horizontal, but I'm not lying on anything. It's a strange sensation.' But below me is more solid whiteness. Are the beings gone? Oh, no. Three of them. Like time moving ahead. Tubes, some kind of apparatus connected all over my body. Inside and out. My clothes are gone. I don't know how they did it. I'm not cold. It's a very pleasant feeling. Tell me more about these beings. Gray. But close up they had... Wrinkle patterns with fine fur or hair. Dense, short hair. I could see myself with all the connections reflected in their black eyes. The screen, so many readouts and numbers, graphics, I don't understand. Hundreds of detailed, moving, colored images. Fogarty leaned back and took notes on her yellow pad. Oh, it's the other dimension he saw, represented in our world. Did they speak? Randy shook his head. No. I just knew what they felt. They weren't going to hurt me. They were not going to hurt me. Exactly, whispered Fogarty. He lowered his head and his eyes closed. What did they want from you? He shook his head, but it was still lowered. His voice was strained when he spoke about a minute later. Goosebumps merged into a pinpoint numbness all over my skin, like when my leg falls asleep. Only blocks of reality like a strobe light flashing this strobe reality this strobe reality it prevented me from understanding what they were doing to me i'm so thirsty unquenchable thirst now no then wenzel stood and reached for a bottled water he spun open the top have it anyways randy randy slowly nodded and drank as if he were indeed thirsty They're giving me water through my mouth with no connection. How? There is no time. Only what is. No floor or ceiling. And the thread. In there and everywhere. He spread his fingers outward as he spoke. A creeping mesh. A web sensation within me. But not of substance. Did you see it? No. But I felt it and more. Like an inflated puffiness in my bones and muscles, it seemed to last forever. Did it hurt? Randy shook his head. No. Then my left hand did hurt. For a second, I raised the hand through a red substance, not matter, something. How did your hand hurt? As if a bird with talons packed or scratched at my hand, but not for too long, I think. It was hard to tell. What about your stomach? I felt nothing. He swung his arms around. There were hundreds of them now, fading in and out of nothingness, like fog and darkness. And me too. What do you mean? My body, in and out of somewhere. Why did they do this to you? He shook his head with his eyes closed. I just don't know. What did you sense? What do you know? Fonier. Who is Fonier? Auroboros. Did they say this? I just know. Richardson. The president? Yes. War. Awful death. Millions suffering. Tactical nuclear bombs. Street to street battles. Where is this war, Randy? Along the ocean. Desert and plains. Palm trees. The Middle East. Don't know where. Missiles. Cruise missiles. Jets! Fire everywhere! Bombs! Total destruction! Total annihilation! Everything swept up! Armageddon! Julie looked incredulously at Briggs, who was already calling somebody in Washington. Did Richardson launch those weapons? Randy's face tensed and then he screamed out, Heat! Melting! Everything! Everything is gone! It's okay, Randy! Randy sprang to his feet. Richardson! It's not here, Randy. Have the water. Everything is all right here. Randy sat in the chair and held the water bottle for several minutes. Tears wandered down his cheeks. Julie was on her feet and pressed her fingers against the glass.
2: Where were they from, Randy? Not sure. Away. They walked into nothingness like a door shut. The light tinted red. My hand emerged from the red light. I'm looking at this new scar in my hand, and I awoke. My clothes were gone, and I'm in my bed at Salisbury. I was in my shorts.
0: He shook his head and then lowered it.
2: Richardson? Did Richardson cause this war?
0: Asked Winsel.
2: Does the president die?
0: Randy closed his eyes and started crying. He regained his composure.
2: I don't think so. I don't know. I'm trying to go deeper. I can't. Randy, I'm going to bring you out of this. I'm going to count down from 10, and then you'll be wide awake. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello, Randy. Well, we're going to meet, and then we'll sit down with you. I don't want to make any misguided statements.
0: Randy nodded as he inhaled. Julie approached through a side door ahead of Briggs and threw her arms around him. Fogarty stood next to her. This is all so strange, Julie. Oh, Randy, did you hear what went on in here? We all did, said Fogerty. What happened to me? Yelled Randy as he stood. Lieutenant? said Briggs to Fogerty. Fogerty pressed her lips and then spoke with the clipboard against her chest. You were abducted by what we know as interdimensional beings. Are you sure I didn't imagine it all? It appears that you have had contact before, she said. I have no memory of that or of this past abduction, and we don't know scientifically why you have powers that can't be seen. We believe it's interdimensional." Forces we really don't understand. It has something to do with the metal in your abdomen. It may have been placed there before. What is it? Briggs crossed his arms over his checkered shirt. Certainly not at our level of advancement or within our own dimension. We are now suggesting that no surgery be performed. On the metal, right? Fogarty moved closer. The metal has characteristics of quantum tunneling. That would indicate a dimensional control. It may have been within you for some time, Briggs pointed at him. Look, we're going to review this, and you can watch the video later. Do you have any Snickers bars? asked Randy. Don't you want a meal? asked Wenzel. Fogarty stepped forward. We've determined that Randy's basal metabolic rate has reached an extraordinary level. Why? asked Julie. Randy, you have a high BMR, and you burn more calories, said Fogarty. "'I just know I need Snickers bars,' said Randy. "'Anne, what are a cube trucks worth to be stored up here in a Candon Bay at the garage?' said Briggs as he retreated into the large room. "'Yes, sir,' she turned back to Randy. "'Your thyroid is denser but performing perfectly. Enzymes and hormones have raised levels, thus your craving,' Randy nodded. "'What did the colonel mean in the garage?' Randy, we have members of the U.S. intelligence services flying in. You've become an asset. Randy nodded. What, am I back in the service, lieutenant? You've been reactivated, Commander Wilson. I was only a lieutenant. Congratulations on your promotion. Randy walked up to Fogarty. So now I outrank you. Yes, sir, you do. Division 16, remote facility number CX-7, West Mountain Creek, Wyoming, July 15, 2021. 5.14 p.m. I think I understand, said Randy, as he and Julie stood along the shore of the long lake. The clouds had become darker above the mountains in the distance, and the air cooled as if there was going to be a storm. I have this armor, but it's not matter, according to Briggs. I think that's it. She turned and held his forearm. Our lives will never be the same. How do I handle it? I mean... Just what are they planning for me? She shook her head. Can anything hurt you? I don't think so. I can run at extraordinary speeds. and I don't even get tired. If this is coming through some kind of dimension, wow. Yeah, wow. Randy, they want you to do something. Why me? And why the future war? Fogarty seems to think that President Richardson has something to do with it. Julie turned and pointed. That woman likes you. I mean, she likes you. Well, she's cute, Julie gave him the face. I'd go out with her. Randy, Randy, you've just been abducted by these dimensional beings and you want to date the woman studying this for the Air Force? My God, you sound like Eddie. hebe, 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 Julie leaned back and laughed. Two light-colored SUVs raced along the lake road and pulled into the dirt lot around the lodge. Bulldog Baldwin and two wide-shouldered men in white shirts and black ties stepped from the rear SUV. A combat team exited the forward vehicle. Then Randy heard Eddie's voice. Oh, no. Hey, hands off the merchandise, said Eddie, wearing an orange prison suit. Ah, Eddie never looked better, said Randy. Come on, Eddie, we have a meeting with Colonel Briggs about your big mouth. Yeah? You want me to be crime man spokesman? Stop with the crime, man. You already have the press picking it up. Suppose somebody connects the dots with crime parts and Randy. Maybe I should trademark it. Then he saw Randy and Julie. He gave him a sweeping wave and then started toward the edge of the lake. Hey, crime man! Eddie, get the hell back here! yelled Bulldog. Eddie looked as if he had just gotten an even shorter buzz cut. "'Congrats are in order, Randy, but no way I'm shaking your hand, but I can give you a hug, Julie Wooly.' "'Forget it, Eddie,' Bulldog walked up to him. "'What are you doing in this secure location, Bull?' Bulldog squinted, and Randy knew he wanted to correct the use of the name Bull. His dark eyes brightened, and he pressed his lips. "'I saw what you did at the hospital, Randy, and Colonel Briggs has briefed me on everything. When you return to Camden Bay, they want us all to be on the same page.' What's the latest on Harry? Not awake, but neurological testing does show some response. He's at the Southside Hospital now. I'd like to know where the hell we are. We're in Wyoming, said Randy. Five hours confined with Eddie Conover isn't exactly my idea of a good time. When you die, bull, you can tell God it was an act of charity. What do you think Eddie's still alive for? God doesn't want to listen to his big mouth either. Julie chuckled as Eddie returned. Hey, crime man! Eddie, we all saw you on TV. You need to stop talking about what happened. Yeah, been all over that with me, Kokomo. Randy looked over at Eddie's orange jumpsuit. Going to jail, Eddie? Don Melvin got me out. The big boys gave me the threads. They're comfortable. Sir, commander, said one of the combat guys as the sergeant saluted Randy. Colonel Briggs would like everyone inside. Understood, said Randy. Commander! asked Eddie. Who'd you pay off, crime man? Nobody, Eddie. I'm back in the Air Force. Everyone started back to the lodge. Eddie brightened his beady eyes. Maybe they could get me a commission. Yeah, cell block number five. Ha <laughs> ha, said Bulldog, chuckling as his jowls shook. Ah, you guys don't appreciate talent. Where the hell is Pappy? asked Eddie. Mr. Wilson is being driven up here. Well, where was he? The sergeant creased his brow as they all headed toward the lodge. Well, Colonel Briggs said he has a girlfriend. Pappy? Ah, I knew about the bride, said Eddie. Woman, said Julie. Yeah, right. He was over on Ninth Ave, said Eddie. I haven't met the brother, but there's money up there on Ninth Ave. Is that all you think about, Eddie? asked Julie. Hell no. If you really want to know what I think about... Nah, it's quite all right, said Julie, as one of the soldiers opened the lower door. Briggs and several military men sat around with Fogarty at the long table under track lighting as Eddie led them into the room. This conference doesn't include you, Conover, said Briggs. I thought you wanted my advice. Briggs pushed back the chair and stomped over to Eddie. Advice? You nearly blew this thing wide open at the hospital. I ought to have you shot. Eddie jumped back. Whoa, 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 whoa. ''I'd volunteer for that,'' said Bulldog. ''Yeah, you would, too.'' Bulldog pointed his index finger at Eddie. ''Goddamn right I would.'' ''Eddie, shut up,'' said Briggs. ''I'd like to think of myself as a guardian of truth.'' Briggs stepped up to Eddie. ''You listen to me, you little dumbbell. I'll have my men fully instruct you on how to operate in the Wilson situation back in Camden Bay. We need to cover this operation by keeping Randy in the garage. You'll stay out of jail.'' said a military man with gray hair across the table. Eddie's face froze. Hey, my garage is your garage. We're commandeering the storage room. Behind the room where you paint your cars? Yeah, they're all hot cars, said Bulldog. Eddie pretended to button his lips. Get him upstairs, said the colonel. Have Wenzel start Eddie's debriefing. Yes, sir. Whatever, replied Eddie. Colonel moved right up to Eddie's face. You just do what Dr. Wenzel tells you and keep this whole thing to yourself. Hey, I don't know nothing. True words were never spoken, whispered Julie. Bye, Eddie, smiled Bye, Randy as Eddie grumbled here when here he Wyoming, passed. I don't understand what the hell you're bringing me up here for. Briggs squinted at Eddie and shook his head. Then he turned and motioned them forward. Randy and Julie, Major Wilcox Army Intelligence, David Cross from the Central Intelligence Agency. The light-haired Cross nodded. "'Wilcox, the man who had snapped at Eddie, had short gray hair. "'And you know Ann Fogarty from Naval Intelligence? "'We're waiting for Myron Wilkins from our task force.' "'Ms. Fogarty,' said Randy. "'Fogarty, in full Navy uniform, smiled slightly enough, "'so Randy returned the gesture. "'Everyone, please be seated. "'It would be an understatement to say that in all our investigations "'we've never dealt with anything quite like this.' "'Fogarty held a silver pen over her yellow pad.' Randy, do you feel any different? Physically, no. Even though I can do these physical feats, you people have looked into similar things, right? Briggs spoke quickly. I will give you a short yes without going into classified situations, but nothing like what's happened to you. Of asking you run? A mile in seconds, said Fogarty. We have a facility at the Nevada Proving Grounds, and we can find out exactly what Randy can do. I understand. Cross spoke softly. You're now a national asset, Mr. Wilson. Briggs turned to Julie. Julie, you'll have to consult with us as to what goes out over the air. I understand, answered Julie. Briggs leaned toward them. Randy, when you resume your work at the garage, we don't want your identity revealed. And that way we can better utilize your powers. With all due respect, Colonel, I don't see how I can do that with Eddie running around promoting me. Cross moved his hands as he spoke. "'Dr. Wenzel will take care of Eddie.' "'Hypnosis?' asked Julie. "'Wenzel is an expert in his field,' said Fogarty. "'I assure you Eddie will assume a more quiescent stance,' said Cross. "'Well, I'll contribute to that fund,' said Randy, and they all laughed. "'Son,' said Wilcox, "'my concern is you're mentioning the president. "'I frankly have the Secret Service breathing down my neck about it now. "'What about Richardson? What about this battle or war?' I don't know. Do you help or hurt the president? I wouldn't hurt the president. After a silence, Briggs spoke. And again, the important thing is denying the existence of your powers. The whole thing is classified. The cover story will be that you were on a binge for those two days. We're procured witnesses to prove that. Randy took a deep breath. Sir, you seem to have it all planned out. Randy, there's no other choice, said Fogarty, making a sad face. Briggs tilted his head. There are certain public considerations. We can't reveal to the general public that there are interdimensional beings who have transformed a human into something else. They never asked Randy, said Fogarty. I know that, said Briggs. He closed his eyes and leaned his chin on his propped hands. You don't have to do this. What about the rest of the government? Do they know? What we do, Randy, is hidden. No one can get at it. "'Now, Decker may have given you a hard time, but he's going nowhere. "'Legally, he can't. "'That doesn't mean they would try and surveil you if you were back in the public eye.' "'Randy nodded as Bulldog's voice became louder in the next room, and then the door opened. "'That man is the biggest damn fool on the planet.' "'What's the matter, Chief?' asked Briggs. "'I wonder who they're talking about,' said Randy, laughing. "'A simple request to clam up for Wenzel,' said Bulldog. Eddie will never clam up, added Randy. Well, he'd better clam up, said Cross. As far as I'm concerned, this whole thing is a pertinent national security matter. I understand, but Dr. Wenzel just injected Eddie, Bulldog added. A little suggestion and Eddie will smarten up, said Briggs. We'll handle the rest of the press. Eddie's ranting at the hospital has already been spiked by Channel 4, said Julie. Yes, I know, said Briggs. Thank you. The chief's phone rang. Baldwin. Really? That's good news. He covered the receiver. Harry is awake. Fantastic, said Randy. That's the best news I've had all day. What's that? Well, bring him in for questioning. Call me at the station. He flipped his phone shut. A street gang member mentioned Junior in connection with the ridden shooting. Who actually shot Harry? asked Randy. He didn't have that information, but something is happening down at the docks. "'Whether Junior Janus has something to do with it is unknown at this time.' "'Randy nodded. When can I talk to Harry?' "'Oh, he's still pretty groggy. Maybe in the morning.' "'If I may,' said Cross, with all deference to Mr. Wilson, "'what if your so-called abduction is an espionage operation?' "'What are you saying, Cross?' asked Briggs, crunching his face. "'Enemies of the United States setting up Wilson to kill the President?' That's all well and good, Cross, said Fogarty, but how do you explain Randy's newfound abilities? I don't know what programs they have. Oh, come on, David. There's no way anyone on earth has the technology to give Randy these powers. If whoever they are want the president dead. This is real. I've seen other contact files. Sure, it's all on a need-to-know basis by some bureaucrat in your office. And your agency doesn't have secrets? Cross stood and banged his fist on the table. My only concern is the safety of Stephen B. Richardson. David, you're overreacting, said Briggs. Oh, really? Cross scampered around to Randy. He gestured with his right hand. Tell me, Wilson, do you even know what your instructions are? I was only thinking of the president when I woke up. Right. And someone named Fournier in a place called Auroboros. Cross spun back to Briggs. He pointed his index finger. Let me tell you something. When I get back to Washington, I'm summoning all relevant department heads and I'm going to find answers. I would remind Mr. Cross, said Fogarty, of the classified nature of Randy's story. I know that, damn it. I don't think Richardson should make his appearance in Camden Bay next month, nor should Wilson be within a thousand miles of the president. He banged his fist again. Ever! Cross picked up his briefcase and exited the room. His aide moved the sliders in the long room. The two men were gone. Fogarty pressed her lips and exhaled. Briggs looked as if he had a bad case of constipation. What is he going to do? asked Julie. Briggs snapped out of his emotional funk. He'll try politically to take control of the situation. Colonel, said Randy, While I respect you and your crew and enjoy working with you, I'm not cooperating with Cross or Decker. You don't have to. The door to the next room opened so hard it hit the lodge walls. Wenzel stormed through, shaking his head as he reached the group and pounded on the table. Oh, what now, doctor? asked Briggs. The exasperation shook his voice. In all my years with the agency, 32 years, I've never had a patient who could not be hypnotized. With a dumb grin, Eddie strolled out of the other room. Hey, gang, what's shaking? The deep furrow down Briggs' forehead somehow got deeper as he stomped around the conference table. Let's get one thing straight, Conover. The only reason you aren't in a federal jail is because of optics. He banged his fist on the support column. Is that clear? Eddie adjusted his jumpsuit. I'm open to negotiation. Thunder cracked outside and rain hit the patio blocks. There's no negotiating, said the colonel, gyrating. You're going to deny everything you said, all this Cronman bullshit. I have the best snipers in the world following you around for a screw-up, Conover. Eddie ducked and looked out the sliders. And I'll instruct them to get you where it hurts, you little buzzcut wonder. Eddie took a quick step back. Whoa, hey, I can do my patriotic duty. You just remember, Eddie, that when you attempted to open your trap, the Indicom buzzed. Briggs.
2: Colonel, Mr. Wilson's father was just brought through the front gate.
0: Hey, Pappy's here, all right, said Eddie. Eddie, said Briggs, pointing. Mom's the word, he nodded as Fogerty held up one of the phone receivers on the conference table. Internal division said they have connected some of the dots in Randy's dream or whatever it is about the Middle East. What do they say? Dr. Garraway and Hepburn from the State Department seem to think that if Richardson is out of the peace process, that the localized conflicts might grow, maybe into a world war. Now how do they know that? asked Briggs. Could go the other way, too, if he does get involved. I'm just reporting it, sir. Noted. Thank you. He waved Randy over and spoke in a lower voice. I'd like you to be debriefed under hypnosis again. Specifically about the president and this Fournier character. I don't want to give Cross and Decker any ammunition. Whatever you want, Colonel. Good. All right, everybody listen up here. Ms. Wilson, I want you back on the air. Further downplay what Eddie said about this Cron Man nonsense. Even if you have to bring up Eddie's prison record. Hey, I'm a free man. Hopefully you'll keep your mouth shut and it'll stay that way. A tremendous cracking noise impacted very close. Randy rushed to the patio door. Lightning had struck the towering oak and the tree now tilted toward the winding dirt road. A widening fissure exposed the tree's insides as the mammoth tree careened toward the road. Randy's skin darkened blue as he moved quickly. Fully encompassed in the impenetrable mass, Randy darted instantly onto the road. Then he leaped upward, grabbing the bark on both sides of the tree. He hoisted the tree up at the crack and thrust it skyward through the rain. With a prodigious splash, it plunged into the lake. Two agents exited the vehicle. They stared at his bulky blue skin and his overwhelming size. As he resumed his normal appearance, the oblivious Pappy... Looked up from the open window of the SUV. Hey, what are you doing, Randall? Randy slowly descended to the ground. Saving your life, Pappy. Hey, how did you do that? Asked a young agent in a white shirt and red tie. He shook Randy's hand, then ran over to the tree roots. Incredible. The power you have. Now I have to control it. He said, shaking Randy's hand. John Wharton, Harry told me about you, Randy, but I didn't believe it. What Austin Briggs said is true, and thank you for saving our lives. You're Harry's FBI agent. They began walking back to the lodge with Pappy bebopping behind. Yes, sir, I'm the one that's working with Harry to put Junior Janis behind bars. Amen to that. I'm sure his men shot Harry. I believe those two men are dead. Wharton's blue eyes swung back toward the tree again. I've never seen anything like what you just did. Hey... You got any food in this place? asked Pappy. Julie ran through the rain as the agents spun through the mud back toward the lodge. Briggs was right behind her. Are you all right, Randy? I'm fine. You know, I saved that old man's life, and he's looking for a free meal. Eddie just said the same thing. She said as she held his arm and laughed. Eddie was right. Well, that's a first, said Randy as the rain rolled down his cheeks. He said you really are, man. Incredible said Briggs as he arrived. Any ill effects, Randy? I'm okay. Hello, John, he said to Wharton. What do you think of the raw power now? He shook Briggs's hand. If I hadn't seen what just happened, I never would have believed it. I feel like we've just been given a new national security system. Fogarty spoke from the side as the rain hit her face. Name, Randy Wilson, a.k.a. Cronman. Chapter 10 Janice Tower, conference room, July 26, 2021, 7.45 p.m. Junior reached his limit with John Slocum, the third corporate leader, not to contribute to Richardson's presidential fundraiser. He followed him to the far side of the buffet table. What do you know about power, Slocum? The silver-haired Slocum turned at the table. Excuse me? Junior raised his voice, You nitwit. Richardson represents power and money. We can get things done on our behest. You know, your father was a reasonable man. You have no class. He removed his gold framed glasses. I founded Eastern Electronics. I worked nights and weekends like your father did. And by God, I'm proud of what I did. And I don't need some upstart half my age who inherited his father's wealth to be telling me. Where I should place my money. You match our money, and then we'll consider it. Graham, get out of here and take your buddies with you. Slocum shook his head and moved with his aides for the panel door. Evelyn, wearing a shimmering blue velvet dress with a modicum of cleavage, stood behind Junior. The hell do you want, Evelyn? Rudy is on the phone. Tell him to call back later, said Junior, and he picked up another wine glass. I'm going to have to get money from the Middle East. There's big money all over the Middle East. She trailed Junior and grabbed his arm. Junior, he says it's important. Get your mitts off me. He kicked one of the banquet room chairs end over end on the carpet. Which phone? Second rear office. Junior stormed through the function room and into the office. He slammed the door and adjusted his yellow tie in the matching carnation of his blue pinstriped suit. Then he clawed the receiver. Janice! Junior, this is Rudy. We have a problem. Junior's face flushed and the veins and his temples pulsed. Saliva spurted across the glossy wood-grain desk as he yelled, Problem! Problem! I don't care about problems. Problems are for people with no brains and no ambition, Rudy. Don't tell me I have a problem. What I have is no money. Listen to me. Junior pushed his thick, dark hair back along the temples. Listen, you jackass, I'm five minutes away from begging these people for money. And they won't give money unless I match it. I won't give them a cent. I'm telling you, they're not giving me cash because I'm not my father. To them, I'm just a punk. You need to listen to me, Junior. He lowered his head and closed his eyes. Well, this had better be important, Rudy.
2: I worked with your father for 26 years up to his that loyalty extends
0: to his son. Oh, get out the violence. Just cut to the chase, will you, Rudy? The situation
2: in the campground. Reed Polly took
0: care of it. If he had done his job with reading on the docks from the get-go, we wouldn't have this situation we had at the hospital. Now get him out of town for a while. Cops are already starting to ask questions. What
2: about the china
0: You just let me worry about that, bozo. Junior raised his gold Rolex. He opened his dark eyes wide. Plus, Ridden has been scared silly. He's putty in our hands now, and no one will touch those China shipments. I got bigger problems. I'm hosting the President of the United States for a fundraiser with no money in the kitty. I want Washington connections. Do that. I need money funneled into the campaign. Just get weed out of town and then meet me over at the tower. He hung up the phone and little Rich from transportation was staring at him from the front office. What are you looking at, Rich? Harry Redden is not scared. Neither is the guy in the body armor. He has to be. The body armor guy was in the right place at the right time. And don't listen in on my phone calls. You're not going to scare him, Mr. Janice. I've known him since he was a beat cop. Harry Ridden is only going to come back stronger. What do you say, go after him again? We'll use a truck. When he gets out of wherever he is, we hit him anonymously. What would your father do? My father is dead. Junior closed his eyes and ground his teeth. When I give you the word, Richie, you can get your truck. Nothing's going to stop me. He hung up the phone and pinned the lake's shimmering water. The stop-and-go traffic inched along Van Buren Boulevard, paralleling the shore. To the north, 25 miles past the docks, unknown to the public, his father was in a wheelchair by now. He abruptly turned and picked up his private cell off the desk. The overseas number was always impossible to remember. He pulled out a slip of paper hidden between his credit cards. Then he punched in the number. After an assortment of varying tones, the line rang in a strange, foreign sound. The voice was accented and far away. Clock 47 12, upper level. This is Maurice Janus. I'm calling as per instructions for my lawyer. For Dana Kovir. One moment, please. The line clicked, but was still connected. Mr. Janus, excuse me. He swung around to the corridor. Evelyn moved inside. What is it now, Evelyn? Two things. Harry Ridden is being moved out of the ICU. Junior pushed his lips together and nodded. She adjusted his silk handkerchief. I talked to Eddie Conover's girlfriend. She doesn't know where he is. So we have Julie, Big Bad Randy, and the old man all gone on some vacay. And Eddie Conover. He just leave town after this ridden thing? She nodded her head. Listen, I want to know more about this guy in the blue armor. Yes, sir. Then he stepped into the corridor as she left. Mr. Janice, said Covert. Covert, hey, thanks for taking my call. As I told your attorney, Cochran, I'm ready to move cash throughout Swiss bank accounts into the campaign. Good, good. Filling the president's piggy bank will get you the access you want. Sir? His coffers. Junior swallowed and blinked his eyes. Are you there, Mr. Janus? Yeah, that's great. Whatever you want to give, I'm sure Melville will be ecstatic. Excellent. I hope to meet the President when he's in Camden Bay. Well, I'll be arranged, Kovar. You have nothing to worry about. Chapter 11 Division 16 Remote Facility CX 7. West Mountain Creek, Wyoming, July 27th, 2021, 10 a.m. Briggs played the video in slow motion on the huge screen. Randy's body inflated into a power-packed blue force. His face, chiseled and his eyes glowing, formed a frightening, overwhelming bulwark. Seated to his left were three physicists from MIT. Randy and Julie sat to Briggs's right. Colonel Briggs, said Dr. Andy Thompson, an elderly chap with scattered white hair. He spoke in a squeaky voice that annoyed Briggs, but he understood the realm that Briggs investigated. We've uh, monitored this expansion from many sources. Mr. Wilson's body is unchanged. What do you mean, doctor? This uh, outer shell possesses great power and an impenetrable barrier, as attested by those at the hospital shooting. I think this is an interdimensional manifestation. You don't feel that as a part of your body, Mr. Wilson, correct? Correct. I can see how I look, but I simply wasn't aware of this shield around me. What about the metal in his stomach? I will yield to Dr. Irvine. The bald man with a flat face projected a long, dark object onto the screen. Thank you, Dr. Thompson. Uh, actually, our findings are consistent with the outer shell. This sliver, four centimeters in length, has the qualities of metal, but no atomic structure. It's essentially a false reading, but we've most assuredly tracked the formation of the shell through the so-called metal and across an intricate web through Mr. Wilson's body. This web is like a dimensional skeleton, asked Briggs. I don't sense any web, said Randy. Well, you couldn't. I know this is difficult to understand. Can't even measure most intrusions into our world, yet intrusions exist everywhere. It has to be mathematically proven. Wharton stood. How? Agent Wharton, if I could, said the third man, a skinny nerd in his early twenties. They and I use that term proven loosely because they possess life in some way. It is not the life of this world. They produced the shell through funneling the dimensional vortex through the metal. Fogarty entered the room and sat next to Randy. Julie waved as Wharton continued. Dr. Davis, said Wharton, we're dealing with a possible security event with President Richardson. It pertains to a great war that will occur because of President Richardson. To do this, these beings would have to understand the future. Question I would pose, gentlemen, said Julie. Are they malevolent or benevolent? Briggs pinched the bridge of his nose and lowered his head as he spoke. I have Alvin Decker all over this division and me personally. He knows nothing of the hypnosis or the powers that Randy possesses. This is on a need to know basis. Well tell Alvin to take one of his fishing trips up to Canada, said Wharton. Briggs looked up. The fatigue had drained his usual vigor. I'm going to have Wenzel bring you deeper, Randy. We need to know what Richardson has to do with such a cataclysmic war. If he does at all, said Randy. Predicting time is out of my league, said Davis. Briggs raised his finger. I would like to normalize this Cronman thing. Well, you still have Eddie to deal with, said Randy. That's a part of it, Briggs said, looking at the MIT men. I would ask you gentlemen to write your reports here and sign the security pledges. Thank you. I wish we could have been more help, said Thompson. No, your getting to the heart of the matter it tells us what we need to know. For now, Dr. Thompson. For now. Briggs crossed the lower lodge. He thought of the night 11 years ago when four spacecraft were dragged in front of the Utah Canyon. All that sophistication, and they made a simple navigation mistake. The canyon crash was witnessed by hikers and a cross-country Delta flight. The bodies were taken to a secure facility in Alaska, where they remained frozen after the autopsies. Wenzel had already injected Randy with stronger drugs. Fogarty brought Julie a cup of coffee outside the interrogation room as Wharton leaned against the glass. Thank you, Lieutenant. She sipped the strong java. Your brother fascinates me, Fogarty said, drinking her own coffee. Julie raised her brows and grinned. I know he does. Well, it's the way he's responded to this. He could have just walked away. Well, that's true, said Briggs as he entered the room. He closed the door. I respect Randy for that. This is an incredible event. Julie watched Briggs as he sat down. I bet you've seen some pretty weird things in your travels. Briggs nodded and sipped from his styrofoam cup. Not with the implications presented here. How do you feel about your brother's changes? Asked the short-haired Wharton. She smiled at the agent. Not exactly the way we had envisioned things in our lives, you know. Marriage, children. Don't sell yourself short, Miss Wilson. What we do with Randy and your cooperation will be like a job in itself. But you'll have time to chase your own dreams. I suppose, she said, taking in more coffee. One of Briggs's men poked his head into the room. Colonel! Yes, yes, Sergeant. "'Decker's been causing havoc up on Capitol Hill. "'He wants the FBI to locate Wilson and question him further.' "'I know, Decker. They call him Little Big Man,' said Wharton. "'Julie smiled. He was pretty obnoxious. "'He has no manners. "'Out of the question, having Decker speak with Randy, "'who did you talk to, John?' "'General Slater, sir.' "'Oh, excuse me.' "'Briggs took out his cell and speeded out Slater on the speaker.' Bill, this is Austin.
2: I was going to call you. I, I need permission to utilize Nevada, Colonel.
0: What's going on with Decker up on Capitol Hill? Well, Decker testified in a closed committee today and specifically mentioned Randy Wilson threats against the president. He's made no threat, said Fogarty. There's no way he can know anything, said Wharton. Briggs set down his coffee. Decker is furious because he feels Randy had been in contact with foreign entities he shoots from the hip.
2: Well, maybe not. NSA has rumblings about a Frenchman linked to Richardson's name in several emails. Fournier. Yes. Obviously we know the connection
0: Wilson has to the Salisbury incident. Fournier could be that link between Richardson and this Armageddon. Wenzel is going deeper as we speak. Listen, General, I believe Wilson should resume his life. If that means Alvin questioning him at some point, then so be it
2: have personnel working out specific attack and defense plans for Randy Wilson. If we need to utilize him, we'll be able to implement a course of action immediately. Let's hope they find Fournier. Report back to me once Wilson comes out of it.
0: Yes, sir. He ended the call. Sergeant, where is Eddie Conover and Wilson's father? Playing cards upstairs. I guess Conover was cheating and Briggs pinched the bridge of his nose. Just make sure all the lines remain secure. I don't want that fool calling the outside world. Which fool? Take your choice. Yes, sir. Inside the dark room with one light bulb, Randy had just mentioned a long road at sunset and a terrorist group attacking on horses.
2: Mazarlium, a baba wali, destroyed by drones. Where is that, Randy? Asked Wenzel. Afghanistan. Smoke. Everywhere the river, the bodies,
0: fire everywhere. Prelude to Pakistan. What do you mean? Asked yes, Wenzel. Richardson.
2: He wanted peace. They don't understand. Defeat surmounts peace. The A-bomb, They did it. They did it to blame us. When? After the march of the thousand. What's that? What is that? Marched into the fire. Before the bomb,
0: he said as he started crying. Both Julie and Briggs stood.
2: Where was the bomb? Karachi on the water. Everything melted. Other countries fire at each other.
0: He put his head in his hands and lost control. Bring him out of it, doctor, ordered Briggs. How does he know all this? Asked Wharton, standing. Wentzel leaned forward.
2: Randy, I want you to wake up slowly, very slowly.
0: Randy's blue eyes assumed a more reticent appearance. He wiped the tears off his cheeks. Huh? What
2: happened? You were telling us about the
0: war. He closed his eyes briefly and nodded. I don't remember. It's all right, son, said Briggs, patting his shoulder. What are you going to do, Colonel? Asked Julie as she hugged her brother. I want the whole thing outlined. When can we go home,
2: Colonel? First, we're heading to Nevada to find answers. Paris to Geneva Express,
0: traveling through Switzerland, August 18th, 2021, 12.35 p.m. Junior heard Dutch's voice as the train rumbled across the Swiss countryside. He slowly opened his eyes. The wide-shouldered, gray-haired Dutch's penetrating blue eyes were focused on him. What are you looking at, Dutch? Sorry to interrupt your beauty sleep. Funny man, what the hell do you want? Dutch raised his bushy brows. Thought you might want to know that the uh, men at the Eiffel Tower dining room were indeed operatives of uh, internal intelligence. Junior sat up. Why? What the hell did I do wrong? Nothing. It could be Cobar's organization. Is the money clean or what? I don't know. The outside meadows and pastures passed under the stone mountain peaks like a scene out of a Hollywood movie. We'll find out. I wouldn't advise it. I think that could implicate us. Come on, Dutch. They brought us down some tunnel under the city and drove us in a private car to Switzerland. They even gave us phony names. I suggest we check the cash and then return to the States via the long route. Junior waved his hand. Now, I do have some additional intel from Camden Bay. What, about the contraband? Everything is safe. No, it's the creature. What? Some kind of creature in the hospital. We paid the kid at Channel 4 to copy the transcript of the original before they yanked it. Why was somebody in protective gear? Conover said he had morphed into this cron man. Cronman. man? Conover is probably the dumbest man alive. I've learned in this business that you discount nothing. The guy we're supposed to meet in Geneva, Eric Solomon. The train gently rocked. Kovar's finance man. When we leave this Swiss cheese paradise, Dutch, we'll be on the fast track to being insiders to the administration. Can you handle a power, Junior? Dutch, I was born to wield power. Gear de Geneva, Switzerland. August 18th, 2021, one ten p.m. Solomon was a giant man with a smooth beach ball head. He had a flowing voice that never accentuated his words. His card said he was chief operating officer for Aegean Imports. Within seconds of their arrival, he pushed Dutch and Junior into a red cab. He swung his briefcase onto the seat. What the hell are you doing, Solomon? I thought we were walking to the bank. There are German agents back inside the station. What is this, World War II? asked Junior. Are you on board? he asked. What? I'm in the damn cab. What's the problem? Clearly you are not on board. Cab pulled into traffic. What the hell are you talking about? Listen, we're here for a blink of an eye. I need to get to the bank for the money in second. We want to brief you about Kovar's coming to Camden Bay. Solomon kept looking out the window. The information I have is President Richardson is to meet with the Aegean personnel on Saturday night. Who cares? Junior looked out the window. I don't like these shenanigans, Solomon. We're heading to the bank so you can get the campaign money and then you can transfer or whatever. Excuse me if I don't trust you. I understand. (laughs) He understands. Junior popped the lock on his briefcase and took out a manila folder. In this folder is an itinerary for the President's visit to Camden Bay. The fundraiser is the night before. You, or whoever will have the President's ear, should read this. Job well done, Mr. Janus. Don't kiss up to me, Solomon. Junior pointed at him. Listen to me. We're going to head for Lake Majeur, and then we sail on the boat to Italy. How do I know these clowns in the railroad station won't be waiting for me? You will have the money transferred by then. You're just Taurus. My driver will personally transport you to Lausanne and then you will fly to Locarno, where you will board the boat to Italy. Junior's cell rang and he retrieved it. Yeah. Hey, having fun in the Alps skiing? Shut up, Rudy. What do you want? Randy Wilson was at the hospital. He may have been
2: the man in the body armor. He's been missing for weeks. Somebody from the Air
0: Force took him off the Camden Bay Medical Center's roof. What's that all about? asked Junior. Well, Eddie Conover said... Forget Conover, he's a pea-brain. And Julie hasn't been on the air. Junior raised his brows. Okay, Rudy, I'll have Dutch look into this. Look into what? asked Dutch as Junior ended the call. We'll talk later, that is, if we make it to Italy. Did anyone ever tell you that you're rude? asked Solomon. Junior laughed as he closed his briefcase. <laughs> I make my living being rude, Cubal. The military is disturbed by Randy's shell having no atomic structure, yet being virtually impenetrable. All the while, Junior is running huge sums of money through Swiss banks and into the President of the United States' coffers. And Randy is being tagged with making death threats against the President. Randy is having a vision, a vision where he senses and sees a nuclear blast above the water and in the city. Join me next time as the plot against the president intensifies. I'm Robert P. Fitton, stepping onto the De Havilland DH 4 biplane and staying away from Camden Bay. Stay safe.
2: 12.